Hi, my name is Claire and I'm the mother of three teenagers with FESD. And I'm Jessica, a PhD student researching educational interventions for children with FASD. And together we are the hosts of a Spotlight on FASD, the UK's first podcast dedicated to shining a spotlight on fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. FASD is a condition caused by prenatal alcohol exposure that affects hundreds of thousands of children across the UK. And we're here to bring these conversations out of the shadows and make sure that no one living with FASD feels alone. Hi and welcome back to Spotlight on FASD. This week is episode nine and we are talking to the lovely Natalie Vacchione. Um, Natalie is a mother of two. Uh, one of her children has FASD. She's a parent advocate and she is the creator of FASD Hope in North Carolina in the United States of America. So welcome to Spotlight on FASD, Natalie. It's lovely to have you. Thank you so much, Claire and Jessica. I, I'm so happy to be here today. We're excited to have you. Um, so I'm going to jump straight in with um, question one. So for um, any of our listeners and our, our viewers who haven't come across FASD Hope yet, you definitely need to go and check it out. They have a fantastic website and have, you know, you've interviewed loads of really interesting people as well, haven't you? So yes definitely, yeah definitely want to check out um but I, I want to start by like let's go back to the beginning um can you tell us a little bit about your personal FASD journey so when you became aware of FASD and when when you knew it had become part of your world really absolutely so um my husband and I um we built our family through um domestic adoption um, we started um, our, our journey back in the early 2000s. Uh, we were with an agency and, um, and then September 11th happened in 2001 and our agency said, uh, you know, you need to find uh, an additional agency because there were not many placements. Uh, so we found another agency and um, we received a phone call probably I want to say about a month after we we were with the second adoption agency and uh, we received a phone call and they said uh, you know we we have a birth mother who is has chosen you know you and your husband and um, you know I was just thrilled and crying and all those wonderful emotions and uh, the social worker said um, he's two and a half weeks old he's he's been in the hospital um you know but he'll be medically ready for discharge next week so we knew there were medical issues um at birth um and then uh the social worker said uh his birthday and i just started crying even more because he was born on my husband's birthday um <laughs> so when she said that i knew that was a sign that he was meant to be you know our our, our son and so we wrote down, you know, I wrote down all the information and whatnot, and um, we picked him up from the hospital the following week, and um, he was very tiny, and, you know, he, um, the the uh, unit where he was staying um, at the hospital, we actually still keep in touch with all of them, they're, they're lovely people, and um, they, you know, they told us about his medical conditions, um, which we later many years later found out were all related to his, his prenatal alcohol exposure. Um, you know, so, um, like many of you out there, um, we received, um, quite a 
few diagnoses of different diagnoses until we, you know, 15 years later, we finally received, you know, an FASD diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So we brought him home and, and, you know, I, I learned, um, as much as I could about, you know, the different things that were happening with him medically. And we really did not start noticing what we would think were the FASD primary characteristics until he was two. Um, we then at that point, he started having a lot of sensory processing, um, challenges. He was very avoidant in certain things and he was, uh, seeking sense, sensory, um, you know, he, he liked heavy things. He liked to run a lot. He would run circles, you know, all the things that we, you know, as parent advocates and as, you know, Jessica and academia, we, we know now our characteristics of FASD. Um, back then, you know, this was, you know, uh, more than 15 years ago. Um, people were just the the specialists that we were seeing were just saying, you know, treating it individually versus, you know, trying to connect all of the dots. So um, at that point, um, when he was two, he we had a sleep study because then his sleep started becoming affected. He would not sleep. Um, and uh, we did a sleep study and we did it at a different hospital um, where we usually, you know, had had taken him. And at the time we were living in Philadelphia uh, and the the new hospital where we took him for the sleep study. And, and I think sleep study is, is such a, um, it's a, such a silly thing because nobody sleeps during a sleep study and, and, and you usually don't learn a whole lot of information. And you think I could have told you that was going to happen. I know. I know. It's so funny. It, it's yeah. yeah, it's, it's very ironic. So, um, so at the time, um, my husband and I, when we went afterwards to discuss, um, you know, the results, with the pediatric neurologist, um, he came in and he had his team of medical students and whatnot. Um, he took a look at our son and right away, instantly, you know, um, just without missing a beat, he said, and he wasn't talking to my husband and I, he was talking to the medical students, which, you know, looking back was very insulting, but um, he said, look at him, look at that child. He has mild fetal alcohol effects. And he started listing off like all these different, you know, talking about the facial and this and that and blah, 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 blah. This was the first time my husband and I heard about this, you know, this was not, you know, anywhere in, you know, his birth records in any of the limited information we had, it was not there. So my husband and I just, you know, shocked and, and we said, well, what do we do? You know, this was the first time any, any of this had been mentioned. And he said, just very, very, you know, brushly, you know, just kind of brushed us off and said, oh, we'll just put him in early intervention and he'll be fine. Which, you know, looking back in retrospect, we all know that FASD is a lifelong diagnosis. You know, having an FASD diagnosis is a lifelong disability. It doesn't go away. It it sometimes symptoms will improve with accommodations, but it's not something that you outgrow. So, and of course he did not write down, the doctor did not write down any of this. So, you know, when my husband and I would mention as our son grew older and developed other characteristics, mm -hmm. we would bring this up to people and they would say, oh no, it's not that, you know. Um, so, 
when our son was growing up, um, you know, he, he acquired a lot more, um, diagnoses, things like, you know, ADHD, um, anxiety, depression, um, sensory processing disorder. And it was in, I, I call it regular school, you know, public school, um, and private school. He did go to private school for a short time. Um, he always fell through the cracks, you know, um, and we know the inconsistency with, you know, memory and the inconsistency uh, with executive functioning. He, you know, he would do well in some things, but then not do well in other things. So he was never really picked up completely for support services. Mm -hmm. And we, we know, again, you know, as I keep saying, we know as parents and as advocates, but we do, we know that, um, our kids that have an FASD or teens, um, it's a very difficult diagnosis. It's not like so cut and dry. It's if this, it's a spectrum disorder. So it's different for every child, every, every individual. So fast forward to um, about three and a half years ago, um, our son's um, secondary uh, characteristics, things like depression, anxiety, uh, self-harm, things like that were worsening. Um, and he was starting to become um, critical. Um, so uh, we, um, you know, were trying to, you know, uh, stabilize and, you know, we, we, met with a, a wonderful, we had moved from um, the East Coast where we were living, we had moved to North Carolina where we currently reside. And um, we found a wonderful FASD consultant and we also found a wonderful support group, even though, again, we did not have an official diagnosis. Um, I, I, I suspected, um, you know, my husband and I just suspected that what we were seeing was related to what we were told. Mm -hmm. um, and at that time, I also read the uh, Trying Differently Rather Than Harder book by Diane Malbin. And I would highly recommend that book to anybody who's either looking or, or wants to know more about FASD. Because when I read that book, and then I made my husband read the book, I was like, this is our son. This yeah. is exactly what our son is experiencing. Mm -hmm. So um, unfortunately, our, our son had to be um, hospitalized, you know, to, to be stabilized. And I say unfortunately as a mom, you know, because no mom wants their child to be hospitalized, um, you know, especially with, you know, the symptoms related to an FASD. However, I, um, I say there was a huge, so many silver linings in that hospitalization we were able to get him um, the road to becoming stabilized. And then we were also able to receive an official FASD diagnosis. They assessed him in the hospital and the doctor, the, the psychiatrist was actually working with his practitioner who, who, you know, he was seeing and um, they worked together and he received finally after 15 years at that point, mm -hmm. um, a diagnosis. So that, um, that it was the, the fortunate part of it. That was the blessing in that, that we officially got the diagnosis. And once we had that diagnosis, then we were able to go and, you know, do the research, do the trainings, do the um, education, you know, um, so that was really important, you know, and I think many people, um, you know, have, have 
shared, you know, in support groups and, and things like that. Why is an, a diagnosis so important? I think it is because then you know the nature of where the symptoms are coming from and the nature of, okay, this is a brain disability. This is the brain. It, this is not a willful behavior, but this is something that is a symptom. Um, so we, um, we also in the process of all that, we adopted our daughter who, uh, we had a very different, uh, adoption journey. It was an open adoption. Her birth mother was actually, um, one of our son's babysitters. And, uh, I, she was actually, when I was teaching flute, uh, she was one of my flute students and, uh, we had a very close relationship with her and, you know, she had found out she was pregnant and she asked us, you know, if we would adopt her, her baby. And of course we said, yes. So we, our children are 13 years apart, which is quite an adventure. I, uh, you know, I, I, uh, my husband and I still joke and we're like, we, we really did that, didn't we? <laughs> but, um, both of our children are just amazing. We're, we're, we're so blessed to be their parents. And, um, we, you know, it led us to this, it led us, um, you know, three and a half years ago when, you know, our son was hospitalized. And when we first received the diagnosis, if you had told me that I would be an advocate and I would be, you know, podcasting about this, I, I would have laughed hilariously, but now I know that this was all part of the journey that we were meant to be on. So um, our, our son finished homeschool this year. Uh, homeschooling was a huge accommodation for us um, and continues to be. Um, he is a carpentry apprentice, which, uh, you know, Claire and I were talking before recording that, you know, our, our children have such amazing gifts inside them. Mm -hmm. um, I consider us as parents and as caregivers to be the treasure hunters, you know, oh, we have to find that gift, yeah. you know? Uh, and, but when we do, it's wonderful because yeah. then, um, our, our children are able, we're able to celebrate those strengths. So, yeah, so he's doing that. And he is also, um, part-time online getting his certification in some computer courses, which is another area he excels in. Um, our daughter is five and a half and, and we started her homeschooling journey this year. Um, and it's very different because she's typically developing. And, uh, so it's, it's two completely different journeys. You know, it's, it's, um, I, I think I may have shared this with Clara, but you know, when you go from having a child who has so many specialists and everything like that to a child that, okay, we'll see you next year. It's, 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 it's very, uh, it's, it's mind blowing, you know? Uh, but yeah, so, so my husband and I started FASD hope, uh, earlier this, this fall. Um, we did it basically because we wanted to be, and, and I'm sure Claire, you can relate to this. We wanted to be the parents that we wanted to hear from five years ago. You know, we wanted to be a voice of um, lived experience. We, my husband and I are not professionals in FASD, but we're lived experience parents with more than 18 years of experience. So I consider that to be um, hopefully what people are um looking for. And it, and it is a very isolating journey. Yeah. It is a very lonely journey. So having your, I affectionately call your tribe out there yeah. uh, of people that can support you. Um, that really makes 
all the difference. So that's why one of one of the many reasons we started FASD Hope. And I think uh, one of the main things that that has struck me when I've been listening, it's it's inevitable that I'm going to compare your journey as an adoptive mother to my journey absolutely. as an adoptive mother two completely different parts of the world and for all the adoption in america and and the uk is worlds apart it is so different it comes from a different place for different reasons it's such a different process um that that's always fascinated me about how adoption works in america compared to england so that's so so different yet your FASD journey is identical. Yeah. There are the same cracks in America that there are here that we all fall through. The the battle for a diagnosis, the stigma around a diagnosis. Um, and then when the diagnosis comes, I'm firmly in the camp that you do need one and it's not labeling, it's it's to be able to see your child through that lens and give them exactly what they need and, and to put the scaffolding around them. But also, I think it's really what when you pointed out, when you get your diagnosis, nothing really changes in, you know, there is no, right, you go down this pathway and you will have access to all of these specialists and this is what we need you to do. None of that happens and it doesn't happen in America and it doesn't happen in England. But what does happen without fail is every parent who's on the receiving end of a diagnosis starts their learning journey and starts their research and starts their training and i think you either um you either go and we'll touch on this with jeff a little bit you either go you sit firmly in one camp or another it's either all or nothing it kind of either caves you in or it unleashes like this force of nature where you're like right okay I'm going to learn everything there is to learn and to become the best the best advocate that I can be. So it's lovely to to, to hear the similarities between the journeys. Um, and it's so it, it's such a lovely story to hear. Um, so I think that was thank you very much for sharing that with us. Oh, thank you. Um, so our next question, what we we're interested to know is so you've moved as well, so you've moved states as well now. So what was known about FASD in your state kind of back when you were diagnosed? What was known about it then compared to what services were available compared to now? Is there any kind of a change? Can you see a shift? You know, um, and we were discussing this prior to, um, you know, recording. Um, we are light years behind, you know, so many uh, other especially, you know, for example, Canada. Um, I think the change that I've seen the most is probably in the past couple of years, you know, especially, um, you know, as awareness has increased. Um, but however, to give you an example, like, so when we received our diagnosis in, in our state, which is North Carolina, um, we applied to be on this registry, you know, to provide services, you know, um, to help, you know, your, your child, you know, who will, you know, be an adult to receive services so they can, you know, live as, um, independently as possible, which we know I, I use the term more interdependence rather than independence, but, um, but 
um, there is such a lack of resources. So like, for example, there, once we were approved and, and got on this list, um, they said, you know, well, while you're, while you're waiting, you are entitled to receive, you know, X, Y, and Z, uh, services. We never received X, Y, and Z services. Um, the services that we received were ones that my husband and I had to actually go out and seek and pay for out of pocket, you know? Um, so, to answer that question, um, I've seen more services, um, especially in the past year or two, but they are services that are not offered by, they're, they're mostly, you know, like private or nonprofit kind of things. Like, for example, um, our son here in the United States, there's a wonderful, there, there are many wonderful FASD organizations. Um, one of the ones that I'm most fond of is Proof Alliance, um, and they're based out of Minnesota. Um, and they, you know, formerly for many years, you know, just did, did uh, nonprofit work for FASD in Minnesota, but now that they've expanded, um, and especially since COVID, they do, they offer services to people all around the globe. So, uh, one of the services they offer, and it's just, it's, um, it's amazing, um, is they offer a Saturday group for older teens and young adults that have an FASD. It's like a support group that they, that, that, I say kids, you know, my, my son hates when I use the word kid, but you know, the kids can just talk with someone who is trained and, you know, an FASD and they can just share. It's like a support group, like what we would have for parents. So that's something that, you know, we recently discovered, um, you know, and there, there are other, you know, uh, things such as, for example, I interviewed and became friends with, um, a woman who is an FASD life coach. And she does it again, all through nonprofit, all, you know, just kind of, so there are these wonderful services out there, but you have to find them. Yeah. So I think that systemically we are, we have such a long way to go, not just in our state, just in, you know, in the U S however, um, I'm hopeful that things are starting to grow and, mm -hmm. and there's awareness like, you know, I, I don't know if you, you, you've done this, but probably up until about last year, whenever you would Google FASD, it would always come up as fetal alcohol syndrome, you know, yeah. and the picture in the worst case scenario. Well, recently, and, and maybe a whole bunch of us, you know, mama advocates, you know, spoke up to, to Google, but now when you Google FASD, it comes up the the definition that you know that we know it's a spectrum disorder there are different diagnoses so that to me is a huge step right there yeah. you know <laughs> if google recognizes that fasd is in fact a spectrum disorder and it's a brain-based disorder yeah. not just one of the diagnoses that to me is progress so i think we're making progress and i think in in the past few years things there are more awareness programs there are more support prog programs However, they're done by people that don't have to do it, you know? Um, so I guess this is my, uh, my call of action to, to government organizations, to, you know, local organizations to, uh, you know, to support, we need better support of individuals with FASD. And it's, it's really interesting how you said, um, you know, back at the start of your son's journey that uh, you came across that one um, pediatric neurologist who said the words fetal alcohol effects to you and then that was it 
yeah. so you were living in another state that was a decade earlier um and that's I guess where your where your journey began but really in your journey in terms of services and support and accommodations wasn't until you actually had that diagnosis when your son was 15 so yes yes yeah and I think that's probably what it's like in the UK as well you'll you'll come across the odd one specialist 15 years ago 10 years ago who who would use those words but actually was it really anything to do with those words until more recently um yeah so I'm I'm glad you know it's really really positive to hear that, that, that there is a change and that you are noticing a change in, in the last couple of years, because that, again, is is what's happening um, here, as, as Claire said, comparing. Yeah, I think it's a global, I think that's a global thing. The last the last 18 months to two years, it just is trickling. It's trickling away all the time. My sister sent me a text a couple of days ago and she said, this is the third thing that I have seen um in the news in the last week about the effects of alcohol and the one article that she'd said it was about the effects of alcohol on um unborn babies um early teens and over 65 so it was quite it was about lots yeah but but it just it's just she people are noticing it more it it definitely is there more definitely and I think that's that's across that's across the globe but like you said Natalie that is largely the the people who are popping up with these services who are getting this search engine on Google working properly are the people who are who are in the arena living the life and thinking I need to try and do something I need to create what my children would have loved to have been able to access I need to create a podcast that a fellow parent can listen to in the middle of the night when there it's their darkest most scariest time and that's what's happening that that is and I think that is across the board because you know there's you know Jessica is probably one of the rare creatures who kind of just became entrenched in FASD because it fascinated her. There was no real need for you to be in this world. And it just fascinated her, then consumed her, and now she's stuck and I'm never letting her go anyway. So <laughs> I need her by my side forever. So I think I think most of us are in this world because we're accidentally in this world and, yes. and we've, we've got to survive and we've got to create these um resources for for to to pull other people out um i think one of the what something that's just stuck in my head there there's a, a lovely um picture and it goes it does the rounds lots of times on different support groups um and it's a picture of someone who's fallen down a well and it says something like a special a special needs parent fell down a hole um the you know the the consultant I can't see a hole. That doesn't look like a hole to me. Um, you know, family members. Um, well, j- here, just just claim out, and then you know, all, all these different professionals listed what their responses are, and then a fellow special needs parent comes along and says, "Hang on a minute, I'm coming down there. I know how to get you out. I'm coming yeah, down. Yeah. I'm going to get you out." And it's so so true. In and and not not just FASD, lots of different areas. Um, and I think that it's a, a very unique strength that we have. Um, and a lot of people will, I'm sure a lot of people have said to you in the past, if you're going through difficult phases, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. Mm-hmm. I think I, I didn't know there was another option. You know, it's like saying that really doesn't help at all because 
there is no other option. You, we we keep going and we absolutely do it because we are what our children needs. I think that um, it was it was interesting to think of all of the different services you were rhyming off, and I was trying to picture, especially the the, the FASD life coach. I'm thinking, I wonder where she's come from. I wonder what what's motivated her to do that, and there'll be there will be an FASD story behind that. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like we, we've kind of covered the 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 next question. It was, it was more about you know what what have, what have you seen and experienced since the start of your journey, which which we've we've naturally just covered. And, and yeah. Anyway, um, so we'd be really really interested um to know about FASD Hope. What was your your intention? Now you did touch on it when you were talking about your own family's journey, but um. FASD Hope, where did that come from? So um, for uh, quite some time, I had been volunteering for a couple of nonprofits, um, one of which was an FASD nonprofit, a local one. And um, I started podcasting for that nonprofit because of COVID and we needed a way to um, to communicate, you know, and, and to carry out the mission. And I loved podcasting and um, you, you both know, it's just, it's, it's a wonderful um, medium to connect with people and, and to learn. And um, I, um, but I saw and I felt through the conversations that um, we needed to go just beyond the state, you know, that we were in and that um, uh, quite a few of my, um, my beliefs and values, um, I felt like, you know, I needed to talk to people more, not only in our country, but globally, you know, this had to be bigger than what it was. Um, and, and I had become ill this, this summer, um, you know, with, I have some autoimmune issues. Uh, so I had become ill and I needed to just step back from all of my, you know, wor volunteer work with the, the different nonprofits and the different, you know, organizations I was with. And, um, you know, and I, I, I prayed and I contemplated, you know, and I discussed with my husband what, what should be the next step. And, um, I really felt like, um, FASD hope was born from that. Okay. This is all of your experience. This is all of your lived experience. Now you're on a mission. I felt like, I felt like I needed to get away from just working all of this and turn it into a mission. Um, so that's where, and the other part that I noticed and my husband noticed, and it's funny, my husband works full time, you know, now from home, you know, because of COVID, but, um, you know, he, when I shared with him, like what I wanted to do, he was like, well, I want to do this too, because I don't think, you know, FASD, the FASD community hears enough from dads. But uh, the biggest thing that I learned that uh, we wanted to have an FAST hope was, um, and, and Claire, you touched upon this, we wanted people to express how they're getting through it, you know, and, and for so many of us, like for our family, it's our faith. You know, we are, we, we are very, um, faith-based, you know, um, we, we pray, we read our Bible. Um, and that is a big part of our journey, you know, um, 
for many other people, they share, you know, different, you know, and, and when I speak about faith, it's not a particular religion, but it's just about having faith, you know, in that you're being carried through your journey. Um, so, um, we wanted that to be a part of it too. And, and, and finally, um, the biggest part of, of us starting FASD hope was that, and you know, this Claire, and I know, you know, this too, Jessica, when you hear the word FASD, you don't often hear the word hope with it. You know, you hear other things like, um, you know, the negative connotations, you know, uh, incarceration, drugs, you know, um, hanging around with the wrong groups of people, homelessness, you know, all the tertiary characteristics that result from being a poor fit, you know, in, you know, whether it be the community or even, even in the home. So we, for that really reason, we were just like, okay, we just need to do this to let people know that there's hope. And to let also people know, um, and, and, and again, I've shared this, um, that my husband and I and our family, this journey never ends. You know, this is a lifelong journey. So where we are now, you know, at our son is 18, you know, almost 19 versus where we were three years ago and five years ago and 10, year go, 10 years ago, uh, they're all different places. However, we've experienced them. So as parents, we can share that with other people, you know, so we've been through the early intervention, we've been through the occupational therapy, we've been through the, you know, all that stuff, the education, the, you know, um, so, so really that we just wanted this to be um, a resource for families. And also, it's really interesting, because I don't know if you've all experienced this, but in the podcasting world, I've, I've joined a lot of podcasting groups, you know, on social media. And uh, when I share what our podcast is about, um, people are like, will you be on our show? I've never heard about this. So I, I have, you know, our audience not only includes parents and caregivers and, and whatnot, but I'm also getting followers of, you know, like social workers or of, you know, teachers or people that um, I think maybe who may not have heard about it prior, prior to this. So yeah, really that's the big mission is to increase awareness, uh, to be a resource and to provide inspiration. Those are our three, that's that's our mission statement. And what was it about um, podcast in particular? What was it about the medium of podcast that made you want to choose that? I just love podcasting. Um, Claire, you know, we, we've joked that um, our lives are so noisy and boisterous and we have so much going on. I feel like podcasting is a form of self-care for me. You know, I get to have these wonderful conversations with people from all over the world and, and, and learn. I love to learn. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I joke that learning never stops and my kids hate hearing that. They're like, yeah, we know mom, you know, <laughs> but um, I learn and it, it's a time for me to, um, to do something, not only am I learning and I feel like it's self-care for me, but I'm being productive in that. Mm -hmm. um, so I felt like I, because prior to podcasting, I did a lot in social media, which was interesting, you know, and, and that's what I did for these nonprofit organizations was, you know, I coordinate court, I coordinated their social media accounts, which was good, but I feel like through podcasting, you're able to really reach your audience in a, in a more um, intimate environment, you know, a more um, in, 
intentional environment. Um, and, and podcasting is great. You can take it anywhere. You know, people listen to them in, in their cars. People listen to podcasts at home, you know, when they're doing chores or outside or, you know, so I love podcasting. Yeah. I like the way that you described it earlier. And um, when we were talking about how when it comes to podcasting, you've, you've got someone's ear. So you, yeah. it's a much more direct direct line to get that information to them and it made me laugh a little bit because we did talk about how this is self-care for us um, yeah. and, I, and I talked about how when I spend so much time just with children with no adult company and I talk to myself such a lot and I was about to say you know this is self-care this is the uninterrupted little piece of time but actually it's probably going to be able to hear it at some point during our podcast because my daughter tried to FaceTime me so I lost <laughs> the screen and she's just been trying to FaceTime me to show me how cute the puppy looks asleep it's self-care but you're never quite out of reach to them ever oh no yeah yeah you're you're like an ER doctor you know you're you're never off duty <laughs> yep. exactly that <laughs> so how do you see FASD hope developing how do you, what what are your plans for it do you have what are your plans we, so we, um, we, it, you know, in addition to having, you know, this podcast, um, we are building our website, fasdhope.com, which my husband is, is the, um, he's the genius behind it. I, he's brilliant and I'm so, uh, thankful for him. He has created a wonderful resource page, um, where we provide resources, you know, for, in the States, but also, you know, we include, um, you know, others, you know, globally too. So um, as we hear of more resources, you know, for example, um, we're creating a, a media and podcast, you know, uh, section that we, we would love to put you know, spotlight on FASD on so that, you know, people know that you're a resource. So um, we're doing that. We're also um, developing what we're calling the dad cast, which is where we hope to have a regular episode. I I'm hoping it'll be monthly. It may be every other month, but of dads coming on to talk about their journey. Um, yeah. And that's, that was my husband's idea, which mm -hmm. I think is just wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, and then also just building out on, um, you know, collaborations with other people, um, just getting awareness out there and, and growing. So um, hopefully 2021 will have FASD Hope growing in, in you know, resources and just, I, I like to liken FASD Hope and I've used this um, uh, comparison, but in in the United States, especially down down south where we're at, if you have these you know wonderful farm country roads, you'll have these signs in the middle of the road that are like guideposts, and they have the arrows, you know, pointing you to different directions. I'm sure you know that that's worldwide too. But um, I like to liken us as that. You know, we're that sign in the middle of the road saying, okay, if you want a diagnostic clinic you know, go this way. These are the ones that, you know, we're aware of, you know, or if you're looking for a parent support group in your state or in your province, you know, okay, here's, here's the direction. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and again, we, we, we express that we're not professionals, you know, we're, we're just parents with lived experience. So hopefully, you know, what we're doing now, we will just grow even more, you know, um, and, and just share our stories and, and share other stories. So, Natalie, the the fact of the matter is, you've been in the arena for 18 years, 
So it doesn't make you a professional at all, but it does make you an expert. That is unquestionable. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And you know what? We were talking and, and uh, you know, I had you all on, on my podcast. We were talking about the imposter syndrome and, and it's very easy to let that sneak in you, especially as a parent advocate, you know, you, you because my background, my training, my, you know, my university training was not in FASD, you know, it was in something completely different. So um, you do, it's very easy to get that imposter syndrome, especially when you're a parent and trying to help others. Um, but thank you for that reminder. Yes. Yeah. As far as being a parent advocate, I guess I would say that, yes, I, I do have expertise in that area. <laughs> you most definitely do. Definitely. Both of you do. You know, and I, I can speak from, well, well I'm going to offend the world of academia. I'm very, very sorry. Um, but, you know, I've, I've learned far, far more from um, parents and, you know, caregivers and, and children themselves with it than I feel that I my learning style it's just the way that my brain works but every time I speak to Claire I, I feel like I learn the equivalent of a year's worth of reading <laughs> as important as it is to understand all the neuroscience and everything behind this condition um, that, it, it doesn't help the majority of society day-to-day -day understand this condition and that's what we need we need you know, we need the world to understand and be able to support these children, not just those who've got loads of letters around their name, you know. Yeah, I think that's where, you, where your unique situation really comes to the fore because you, we, Natalie and I have talked about this imposter syndrome and, and quite often, I don't know how many times, that I was never labelled it verbally, but I know that I've dealt with teachers and professionals in the past that have thought like this overprotective, hysterical, adoptive mother, overcompensating. I know that that's what they felt they were dealing with. And you, I, I know that when I talk to you, when I, we'll check in a few times a week and I'll be like, oh, your first question have you had any sleep yeah I had two hours <laughs> I had two hours and two chunks and so we'll talk about that and then you'll be you know I'll say well actually this happened but but I realize now it's because of that and and I can sense when you listen to me it it got it fuels you and you then go back into your academic world and your professional world and it's fueling you and it's like it's like it's but it's a real galvanizes you because you have got a voice that nobody thinks is hysterical or overprotective because you are coming at everything from a professional academic in your field of work so you know you haven't got a personal link to a child or a young person with FASD although lots of them have your heart you I think you sometimes can get your point across in, in a, a much faster and more recognised way because you people assume that you don't bring the emotion to it, that you, you actually, so I think that's that's your superpower. And I, I think um, that's and I, another system problem, but mm -hmm. you know, I, I would love a world where um, the, the chair of all the meetings is the parent mm -hmm. the professionals are there as attendees to listen but um that's a bigger change <laughs> it is but it, and it is happening though because I, I because of because of my life like you you, you 
we were meant to be on this journey. My children are my purpose without a shadow of a doubt. They are my purpose. And you touched on faith. Um, and I've realised that I am my faith. I am my faith. I have, and I, I, I turn to me, I have absolute faith in myself now that, and I know it sounds, it's really cliched, but I have survived 100% of the horrendous situations survived 100% of them and I'm going to continue to do that so I do look to something and more often or not it's my it's it's me I am my faith and I, I, I have that absolute faith in myself that I am going to get them through um and I think that you know we've as a as a parent as an advocate as an expert lived experience I am involved with lots of professional bodies now and I do have an equal seat at the table um, our National Health Service, um, University, the NICE, I, I sit on the NICE panel, creating the new quality standards that we talked about for our National Health Service. Um, so it's definitely happening, definitely. Not enough of it by a long stretch, but it is definitely, definitely happening. Now, Natalie, um, we could talk all day. Um, <laughs> these these conversations, we could talk to you all day. Um, but before before we go can you please just let everybody know where they can uh, find all of your information share all of your, your details with us absolutely so um you can find us our podcast fasd hope um we're on most of the major um uh, areas that you get podcast apple spotify uh, all that good stuff um you can also listen to our podcast on our website which is fasdhope.com. And uh, we have several pages. And one of the pages um, I, I forgot to mention was our podcast page. So you can actually listen to the podcast, um, you know, pick your episode and listen. Um, on Facebook, we are at fasdhope1. Um, on Instagram, we are at fasdhope. And we also have a Pinterest account, which is at FASD Hope um, One. And you can also reach out to us. Um, our email is info at fasdhope.com. Um, so you can, you know, communicate us with us and, and find us there. Um, but yeah, uh, we are accessible. And if you have a question or if you have a request for a guest or anything like that, we're happy to hear from you. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's so much, Natalie. It's been wonderful. This has. This has been um, such a great conversation, both this one and, and you know, uh, our recording for my podcast. And I'm so thankful to know you both. And I know this will not be the last conversation we will have. So I'm I'm yeah, looking forward. Enough. I'm looking forward to collaborating with you both in the future. Yeah, you just took the words right out of my mouth there, Natalie. It's, um, yeah, it has been really, really wonderful to speak with you today as we've done we've done both recordings, um, you know, and getting to know you and hear your story and everything that you're doing and, and to get an idea of what's going on um, in other parts of the world as well. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just really, really great to hear and, and we love to share this journey with you as, as FASD podcasters. So thank you again so, so much for joining us today and being a guest on Spotlight on FASD. And it's that time of year. So we hope you and your family have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas um, and you know, a happy, healthy 2021. And we're sure that we'll, we'll speak to you again, no doubt, but we will certainly be um, 
supporting you all the way with, with what you're doing with FASD Hope. Thank you. Thank you. And I, you have a friend in the States and a supporter in the States. So I'm, I'm just happy that we, we know each other and, and, and I hope that you all have a happy um, and, and healthy holiday season too.